Well, the Baltimore Ravens franchise tag Lamar Jackson. We talk about the latest on Lamar's situation in Baltimore. Get into what the Giants have to decide with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. Talk about Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott and what the Cowboys have to figure out with their running backs. And much more coming up next here on this episode of Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into another episode of the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is Monday, so that means you have me, Kevin Ostriker, one of the many NFL experts here on our network. And thank you so much for tuning in with us today and being here, making Locked On NFL your first listen each and every day. We're available on all podcasting platforms, including over in video form on YouTube. And we're back here. A lot, a lot of franchise tag talk today is the franchise tag deadline is tomorrow, Tuesday, March 7th, 4 p.m. Eastern time, and there are plenty of teams with plenty of decisions to make. So here in the first segment with me being the host of Locked on Ravens, I'm going to take you through the Lamar Jackson situation, what the end result of that could be, at least when it comes to the franchise tag deadline. It could extend far past that, depending on what happens. So we'll talk about that in the first segment. Then we'll be moving on to a couple of NFC East teams. First, talk with Patricia Trainer of Locked on Giants about what the Giants have to deal with right now in terms of figuring out what they want to do with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. Then in the final segment, we'll be moving on to the Cowboys of Marcus Mosher of Locked On Cowboys as we talk about Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott, and so many more other offensive decisions that they have to make there. So we'll first talk about Lamar Jackson here, and, and we'll get into that conversation right now. And, and pretty much to summarize everything, Lamar Jackson still does not have a long-term deal. He is slated to hit unrestricted free agency when the, the new league year hits. And if he does, I don't think that happens. But if it were to happen, he would by far and away be the best free agents hit the market in probably years and would 100% be the best player on the market this offseason. But seems like something's going to have to give here. And if the Ravens and Lamar can't agree to a long-term deal by the time tomorrow hits, franchise tag is looking pretty likely. Now, the scenario for what franchise tag it could be there are possibilities for it exclusive and non-exclusive now non-exclusive means that Lamar would have the opportunity to negotiate with other teams and if he were to sign a deal that the Ravens didn't want to match then the Ravens would receive two first round picks for Lamar going to that team that tag price is 32 million now the exclusive franchise tag is there are no you know negotiating rights for any team but the Ravens it's exclusive rights for the Ravens to negotiate and that number is $45 million. Now, that number doesn't get locked in until, I think, a couple of days or maybe it might be a month later in April. But regardless, if the Ravens were to have Lamar actually play on that franchise tag, whether it's 32 or 45 whatever million that is, that's a one-year fully guaranteed deal. The Ravens right now have about $27, $28 million in cap space. That both 32 million, 45 million, that would put them over the hump. They would be in the negative salary cap wise. So that would mean restructures. That would mean maybe salary cap casualties. We talked about a, a bit of that over at Locked On Ravens. 
But a lot of people are saying, well, you know, if you get two first round picks for Lamar, that's great. You know, you, you save the money. Well, the thing is, if the Ravens do want to end up moving on from Lamar, I, look, they, there have been, you know, John Harbaugh, Eric Costa, and some of the players, the Ravens don't want to move on from Lamar. That's the sense that many people are getting here is based off of comments. But the sticking point here is Lamar wants the fully guaranteed contract. The Ravens don't want to give Lamar that fully guaranteed contract because, look, I think Lamar deserves a big, big amount of money, big chunk of change. Everybody knows that. But with it, with any circumstance, any organization, that fully guaranteed deal is going to take away some ability for any team to go out there and improve their roster, maybe the way that they want to and the way the Ravens do things. They like to sign some of their own guys to three-year, $16 million deals four-year, $25 million, get them on those cheap second-year contracts. The Ravens have about, you know, sometimes they'll have six of those deals, seven of those deals, eight. You you can't have that. You can't have as many of those deals with Lamar on a fully guaranteed deal and how you can maneuver the cap and whatnot. So for a Ravens team to get two first-round picks, you save the money, that's, like, cool and everything. But let, let's be honest here. Lamar is worth much more than two firsts. A team would give up much more than two firsts in a regular trade for Lamar Jackson if that were to be you know a tag and trade situation or just you know tag and then extension and trade situation where we saw what what Russell Wilson got the Seahawks right we've seen these trades for quarterbacks where I think Lamar being a younger not you know he's younger than Russell Wilson right now obviously Russell has the Super Bowl Lamar has the MVP Russell Wilson netted multiple first round picks and multiple quality players. You know, the Ravens could get a haul for Lamar talking three, four first round picks, maybe a player or two, a couple seconds. I'm not saying all that combined, but some combination of that. And depending on how high that pick is, obviously you get more compensation, less compensation, but two firsts for Lamar would just seem, I feel like a, a gut punch. It's not nothing, but at the same time, then if you lose Lamar, if you're the Ravens, if you move on from Lamar, you you go back into questions. Ravens have been the team that has been in the quarterback mediocrity roller coaster on that carousel ride for years and years and years. And they finally seem to have gotten their guy. Lamar is a franchise quarterback. The question is whether that is for the Ravens or for somebody else. Now, there have been conversations about whether Lamar would want to maybe take a two straight year franchise. I guess, look, if Lamar wants to fully guarantee a deal, the franchise tag is that one year fully guaranteed contract, as I said. So if the Ravens signed him to two exclusive tags, let's say Lamar would get two years of a 40, you know, whatever and the numbers fluctuate, obviously, but Lamar would get a fully guaranteed 45 in 2023, a fully guaranteed, whatever that number is in 2024, and then potentially cash in on that long-term deal. Maybe that also is fully guaranteed during the 2025 boxes. So there are plenty of ways this could go. It feels like a franchise tag is coming for Lamar. That doesn't end the situation, though. That could mean a trade. That could mean an extension. It could mean he just plays on it. The, the franchise tag, if that is applied, it would give, like, it's a domino to fall, but it opens up other doors in terms of what other possibilities there could be overall. So it, it's a lot because what the Ravens have right now is they hit on a quarterback at the end of the first round. Teams don't hit on quarterbacks for years. They, they try unsuccessfully for years. And the thing with Lamar is, look, some teams, you know, the, the Derek Carrs and the Carson Wentzes and, and the Matt Ryans and whoever's, you can even put the Joe Flacco's in this conversation if you want to, it's those mid-tier quarterbacks. The teams feel like they have to sign the big contracts because while they're not the guy, they're a competent NFL quarterback at that, where they're not – you know, teams will sign these players because it's just so hard to find a franchise guy. Lamar's a franchise guy. 
it's hard to find those. It's hard to come about one of those players. And there's only one Lamar Jackson. It's not like the Ravens are going to turn around and draft the next Lamar Jackson in this draft or next draft. And look, it's perfectly possible they hit on a quarterback if they move on from Lamar in 2023, and it's fine, and you can kind of do with that quarterback what you want to do with some other franchise quarterback. But at the same time, it's not, it's not that easy. Franchise quarterbacks don't grow on trees. So we'll see how the situation unfolds moving forward. But coming up on our second segment, we'll be talking about another potential franchise quarterback in Daniel Jones and talking about what the Giants could do with him and Saquon Barkley with Patricia Traina of Locked On Giants. So be sure to stay tuned. Still a lot to talk about on Locked On NFL. But first, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. And if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you have to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays a couple months ago, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me and you want to eat a little healthier but don't want to compromise the taste, then, man, I've got just the thing for you in Built. And with Built Healthy, is actually tasty. They're so delicious, you won't actually think they're good for you because they are that tasty. And they're perfect for any sort of New Year's resolution you've been trying to keep up on for these past couple of months. Well, it makes Built Bar so good. As for starters, they're covering 100% real chocolate, and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. They only have 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't even have to wait around and get a box for years. We've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your local Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with hit flavors, such as brownie batter and churro. Get your hands on a Built Bar. You can thank me later. We return here. It's our second segment of Locked On NFL. Kevin Ostriker still here with you. On this Monday, we just finished talking about Lamar Jackson and his situation in Baltimore and the franchise tag deal with the Ravens, what could be coming in that regard. So if you do want more on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens and, of course, my work, be sure to check out the Locked On Ravens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But now we're moving on to the Giants, talking with Patricia Traina of Locked On Giants about what the Giants could do with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. So let's dive into that conversation now. Well, the New York Giants have a couple of big decisions coming up over, over the next 24 hours, 48 hours, is they have Daniel Jones to take care of, Saquon Barkley potentially as well, and here to talk about that with me is Patricia Trainer, the host of Locked On Giants. And Patricia, let's start with Daniel Jones, a very interesting case here. There have been reports coming out about the potential contract, what it could look like, $40-plus million now. Reportedly, obviously, Jones and the representatives of the Giants were talking throughout the combine, nothing was able to get done, so no resolution in sight of the reports. 40-plus million is a lot of money for any player. Do you think Daniel Jones is worth that amount, or do you feel like a franchise tag might be coming where it could be 32 on the non-exclusive or even 45 on the exclusive? I think it's going to be a franchise tag, non-exclusive, 32. The Giants, I believe, would like to come in somewhere between 36 and 37.5 with Daniel APY. Now there are things they can do obviously to push the APY up with not likely to be earned incentives, but the impression I get is that that's not going to fly with Daniel. You know, you, you want as much money as you can get and you don't want to have to sit there and, you know, have to rely on others to necessarily, you know, trigger an incentive. So for example, not likely to be earned incentive might be, win a playoff game. Well, Daniel's only one of, you know, 11 on offense. So you got to rely on the other guys to do it, their part. You know what I mean? So I suspect that's part of the issue, part of the holdup. It also could be the distribution of the money, how much is guaranteed up front. 
Um, there could be any number of issues, but uh, I do think this is headed towards the franchise tag, the non-exclusive tag. And uh, I don't think that's where the Giants would like it to go, but if they have to, they will. Well, I know, Patricia, it's kind of, it's almost crazy we're having this conversation because throughout the offseason last year, we all were talking about how big of a year this was last year for Daniel Jones, the big prove it year. And it was the same thing for Saquon Barkley coming off of a couple of injury riddled seasons. Barkley turns in an incredible performance, but now he is another one of those candidates. But if Daniel Jones gets this franchise tag, there's only one of them to go around. Saquon hits the market. Then if the Jones franchise tag becomes the reality, what's the future for Saquon in New York? Well, if I'm Saquon Barkley's agent and Daniel Jones gets the tag, I say to the Giants, okay, give me your best offer. And then I take that offer and I shop it around the open market. Because as you said, they won't have the franchise tag, so they can't really stop Saquon from getting the best possible offer. Now, what Saquon, much like Daniel, needs to decide is, do they want to be a part of this team moving forward? And if so, are they willing to be reasonable in what they're asking for? I mean, look, you and I can sit here and we can go to our bosses and say, we deserve a million dollars a year because we're that good. Uh, well, you are at any rate. So, um, but that doesn't mean our bosses are going to, to, you know, agree with us and say, okay, yeah, we'll give you a million dollars, but th they're going to probably turn around and say, you guys are probably only worth $10. You know, <laughs> you, I am, you're not. So uh, that being said, you know, there's no harm in asking. It's all part of negotiation, but uh, I would be very surprised if Saquon um, doesn't take his, whatever offer he gets from the Giants and hits the open market and tries to match it or better it. Um, we're talking a really big domino effect here with this Daniel Jones potential franchise tag, because it will force the giants to go to another, you know, to their plan B or plan C in terms of stocking a roster that has a lot of holes. So that'd be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, I mean, for sure. And for the record, for all the listeners out there, Patricia is worth that million dollars, too, <laughs> by the way. But when we're talking about millions of dollars, Patricia, the running back position is one where teams don't really like to invest a ton. I know there's a lot of questions about how much do you really give a running back, even as good as Saquon is and how good he proved he was. Some teams just prefer to not pay running backs. I mean, what, what would your ideal contract for Saquon be for the Giants and, and how much is kind of pushing the, the too much money boundary for you? Yeah, I would say anywhere between 12.5 and maybe 13.75 for Saquon. But here's the thing, Kevin, the, the running back class in the draft this year is really deep. So, you know, last year, yes, Saquon had a pretty good year. Um, he wasn't used as much as a pass catcher as he was his rookie season, 2018. So if you're the Giants, do you say to yourself, okay, you know what? If he walks out the door, we can replace him with one of these running backs that's in, you know, in the draft. It's a possibility. It's not like, you know, the running back class is, 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 you know, thin. It's really deep. It's probably, you know, one of the best classes in, in, in a while at, at running back. But, um, you know, that said, the Giants have to take into consideration, okay, Saquon's had some injury issues, although he was healthy last year. Can we expect that on a yearly basis? And if not, then, you know, you, you just can't give him, you know, 15, 16 million a year because now you're talking McCaffrey money. And McCaffrey, I think we can all agree, is probably the most complete running back um, in the NFL right now. Yeah, and there's a lot to be said about which quarterback running back 
pairings can win you a championship in the NFL. And obviously there are teams that take advantage of the whole rookie contract for quarterbacks where you're not paying a guy 40, $45 million a season. Obviously running backs, it's the same thing, but should you believe that if the giants bring back Daniel Jones, you know, on a 40 plus million dollar deal, or even if it's the franchise tag at 32, if they bring Saquon back on a big contract, do you feel like those two paired up? And obviously it's not just those two, it's the whole Giants team. You got to get pieces around them. But can those two carry a big load and do make the Giants real contenders here for the foreseeable future if they're both brought back? They probably will have to. But as you said, the Giants are going to be looking to add a receiver. They desperately need a good X receiver. They, you know, Kenny Galladay did not work out. Matter of fact, their whole receiver room, if you think about it, it's kind of thin right now. You know, they have Isaiah Hodgins under under contract. Wandale Robinson is under contract, but he's coming off of an ACL. Uh, Richie James is going to be a UFA. Sterling Shepard's contract has already been voided. Galladay is going to be cut on March 15th. So they really need to add to that position. They could probably use another pass-catching tight end to go along with Daniel Bellinger. And, you know, this team, it, you know, all you got to do is go back and look at what they did down the stretch. I think they won three games down the stretch. And if you look at the better defenses that the offense played, they only beat really two defenses that were, you know, considered top 10 at the time they played them. So a lot of work needs to be done on the offensive side of the ball, as well as on the defense, which we know we haven't even talked about. But, um, you know, to your question, they would probably have to depend on Daniel and Saquon, but you've got to make a decision and say, okay, are we going to put all our eggs in that one basket? I don't know it's, if it's necessarily wise to do that. If you're going to spread the ball around to, you know, your new X receiver that you hopefully get your slot receiver, your new tight end, your, your, your returning tight end. The giants don't make this about one guy on offense. They spread the ball around, which is how you should do it. This isn't like back in the day when Odell was the, the offense and everybody knew it. So, you know, these are just some of the many, many decisions that go into, you know, is it worth it to splurge or, or are we just better off dipping into the draft class and supplementing that way? A lot of decisions coming up for the Giants here with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley in terms of if they want those guys as the pairing of the future. They have to shell out some big money for them. So a ton of decisions coming up for the Giants. But now we'll move on to Marcus Mosher of Lockdown Cowboys and our conversation with him about what the Cowboys could do with Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott, and more, so be sure to stay tuned so the last I've been to Unlocked on NFL. We return here. It's our final segment of Locked on NFL. Kevin Oshreker is still here with you again. Thank you so much for tuning in with us, making us your first listen each and every day here. Free and available all podcasting platforms, including over on YouTube and video form. And now we're going to dive into our conversation with Marcus Mosher of Lockdown Cowboys about Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott, and what the Dallas offense could look like in 2023. So we'll get into that now. Well, the Dallas Cowboys have an interesting situation on their hands at the running back position. And here to talk about that with me today is Marcus Mosher, one of the hosts over at Locked On Cowboys. And Marcus, some teams have no running backs and they need depth there. The Cowboys have two decently solid ones at Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, but they face questions with both of those guys. Obviously, Pollard's been a big storyline this week. Zeke has been one for a while now. But it feels like Pollard will be in Dallas one way or the other in 2023, whether it is a long-term extension or the franchise tag. The franchise tag for running backs, right around $10, $10.1 million. Do you feel like that's good value for the Cowboys? And do you want to see Pollard in Dallas in 2023? 
I would say it's probably fair value for Tony Pollard. I think that's probably the most that you can expect any running back not named Christian McCaffrey to kind of get on the open market now. So I do think it's fair value. Do I want the Cowboys to bring him back? That's a tougher question, Kevin, because Tony Pollard was never a full-time running back in Dallas. He's coming off a gnarly leg injury that he had to have surgery on. And it's at the end of the day, it's still a running back. It's the most easily replaceable position in, in the entire NFL. I think they're better off using that money elsewhere to sign some of their other free agents that we're going to talk about in a second. But all in all, it, it's it's not a terrible move to keep one of your most explosive playmakers. Yeah, and explosive definitely is what Tony Pollard is. But it leads me into the next running back on the on the chopping block here, which could be Ezekiel Elliott. Now, Elliott's been, I think, a fixture in Dallas for so many years now. But the production, I know many people have seen it kind of fall off a little bit here. His season in 2022, I'd say some people really liked it. Others did not. But Elliott right now has a 16, right around $16 million cap. If the Cowboys can save $5 million from getting rid of him, they'd have around an 11-ish million dead cap hit. Do you think keeping Zeke is the best option for Dallas with Tony Pollard still there and having that one-two punch? Or again, would you rather see that money invested elsewhere if you're Dallas? Oh, I think it's pretty clear that not having Zeke on the roster is the best thing for the Cowboys moving forward. Because if you are going to pay Tony Pollard $10 million, you need him to be the guy. Like there's no, you can't have these games anymore where Tony Pollard's getting 11 touches or 10 touches and and Zeke is getting 17. Like that just can't happen. So for me, the question isn't, is he on the roster? Is he off the roster? It's, do you go to Zeke and ask for him to pick a, take a pay cut, a pretty substantial one, right? Like, will he take $3 million total? Or do you just outright cut him and move on and try to get somebody through the draft or in free agency to maybe upgrade that position? That's that's the decision for me because just outright, you know, getting him on a $2 million pay cut, I don't think that's acceptable. I think it needs to be pretty drastic in order for him to be back on the roster next year. Right. And I know both of those guys are weapons in that Dallas offense, but at the other positions, Marcus, obviously wide receiver, you have CD lamb there and he's your stud number one, Mm -hmm. but there have been questions about who's behind him and who Dallas needs to bring in behind CD in order to make that wide receiver room, I guess, have a little more burst. I know Dallas was connected to Odell Beckham Jr. During the course of the 2022 season, are there any targets in free agency you feel like would be solid for Dallas? So you do look more towards maybe the draft in the earlier rounds. Where are you looking wide receiver wise? Well, Odell Beckham Jr. is obviously the name of free agency. They could actually sign him now if they wanted to. I think the money is still a little bit of a problem. I think the health is an issue as well, but I'll give you another name. Brandon cooks from the Houston Texans. The Cowboys nearly traded for him at the trade deadline last year. They couldn't quite get the money to work out with cooks seemingly on the way out in Houston. His agent was at the NFL combine trying to work out a trade. I think that's one to keep an eye on because I do think he would potentially uh, fit in this offense. And I think also, Pass catching Dalton Schultz has been a fixture in that Dallas offense. Now questions surrounding his future. Do you see a future where Dalton Schultz is back in Dallas next year? I think going into the year, um, I did. I, I, Jerry Jones even said, Hey, Dalton Schultz is a cornerstone of our franchise. He's somebody that we want to build around and we're not going to let him leave. But you listen to what he said just a couple days ago. And it's, well, we might be trying to do some different things at tight end. And we've got some different players that we have to pay. 
at this point, Kevin, I would be shocked if Dalton Schultz is back with the Cowboys next year. They really like Jake Ferguson, uh, their fifth-round pick out of Wisconsin from last year's draft. They have Peyton Hendershot, a, a second-year player. And frankly, I think they just want to maybe redefine that position, maybe get a little bit bigger, be a little bit better in the run game. So I think Dalton Schultz is going to leave, and we'll see what the Cowboys do there. And sticking with that a little bit, you mentioned Jake Ferguson, some of the other options they have at the position. Is there, is there a steep drop-off from Dalton Schultz and those other guys? Or do you feel confident that Ferguson and others can step up in the absence of Schultz leaves? I think in time, Jake Ferguson could potentially take over that role. I, I, I do wonder how big of a drop-off there will be in 2023 because tight end is a position that's hard to learn. So I think Schultz right now is, is substantially better than those two tight ends. But I think by the time we get to the end of the 2023 season, start of 2024, I think it's going to be negligible, the, the drop-off here. Yeah, and so let, let's round it out with the offense. We'll be talking about that. Obviously, decisions with running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. But the Cowboys making a change at offensive coordinator, moving on from, from Kellen Moore, bringing in Brian Schottenheimer. Do you expect big, substantial scheme changes to potentially impact what Dallas does during this free agency draft trade period? Or do you think they can kind of keep in line with what they've been doing over the last couple of seasons? I don't know. I wish I had a clear answer for you, but I, I, I really don't know. Mike McCarthy has kind of gone on record that, hey, only 30, 35% of the offense is going to change. We're not going to change any of the language. It's going to be more about like how we call stuff and when we call stuff. But then you look at the history of Brian Schottenheimer and what he likes to do. He likes to run the crap out of the ball and play action down the field. And that's not really Kellen Moore from last year. So I don't know. I'm not even sure they know yet. Maybe once they get the personnel in here, then they'll be able to kind of craft an offense. But I'm actually very fascinated to see how free agency and the offseason plays out for the offense. We'll see. The Dallas Cowboys have a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball, but it does feel like they have to add somebody behind C.D. Lynn. Maybe Odell is that guy. And then you're potentially looking at a new running back room, depending on what happens with Tony Pollard and, and Zeke. But seems like Pollard will be there. I think the big question is whether Zeke or Elliott will return to Dallas in 2023 but that's all i have here today on locked on nfl thank you so much for tuning in today let me get back here tomorrow it's more nfl content from your tuesday host i'm sure to stay tuned for that and we'll see you right back here tomorrow